0: Clara Oswald was not lost. She was absolutely, definitely, 100% sure. Not lost. There was no doctor in sight, no TARDIS in sight. Just Clara on her own, strolling across a lush alien planet. And what a planet it was. Plain weird, if she was being honest. But also, so, so beautiful. It was humid, but not stifling. And every inch of its surface was covered in... She struggled to think of the right word. Plant life didn't cut it. This vegetation had an odd look, as if fused with crystals or minerals creating shimmering colors. There were shards of giant grass, taller than herself, which swayed gently in the breeze, glistening green and flushing red as they moved. The ground was hilly, caused by a weave of dark roots. Some as thick as a finger others as wide as a road, all wrapping around each other, making for a rough terrain until they converged in the distance into massive megatrees that thrust, how high? Hundreds, perhaps thousands of meters into the sky. A sky of dense reds and purples dotted with countless blazing stars that lit the planet with a collective glow. As strange and beautiful as it was, Clara felt far from home, as far as she could possibly imagine and it was that thought which made her feel truly lost. Travelling with the Doctor, that odd, but not unattractive alien, was proving to be a confusing mix of the familiar and the fantastic, not to mention the dangerous. What am I really doing here? She thought aloud. I don't know, came a familiar voice. What are you doing? Clara spun around and smiled at the Doctor. He was sitting on a large tree root, swinging his gangly legs over the side like a kid. He'd discarded his long purple coat, but still wore that silly bow tie. "'How'd you find me?' she said. "'I've been wandering round for ages.' The doctor raised a knowing eyebrow. "'Were you lost?' "'No,' she said firmly. "'Not really. Maybe a little.' The doctor smiled. I love getting lost, and this is a beautiful place in which to be lost. An alien paradise. He pointed to the vibrant sky. And not everyone gets this close to a nebula, you know. That there is the birthplace of stars. This little planet is sitting right on its cusp. Ah, that's why it's so hot, said Clara. Exactly. No grown-up suns, but thousands of white-hot baby stars waiting to find their place in the galaxy. So aren't you bacon buttoned up with that bow tie? she teased. The doctor rapidly flicked the wings of the tie with his fingers. Nope, it helps keep me cool. The doctor looked self-satisfied, but before Clara could tease any further, they heard rapid movement. Something was careering through the tall grass and approaching at speed. Get behind me, ordered the doctor, quickly retreating from the sound. But they were too late. As something burst out of the grass. It was moving so fast that Clara couldn't make it out until it was almost upon them. And then she briefly saw the face of a giant black-eyed insect as it smashed into them. BBC Audio presents Doctor Who, Paradise Lost by Darren Jones. Read by Jacob Dudman. The creature instantly recoiled from the Doctor and Clara. It was a surprise and shock to see them as they were it, or rather, she. The newcomer wasn't a true insect. With only four limbs instead of six, she was an insect-like humanoid. Two large dark eyes sat above a small flat nose, and her mouth had tiny mandibles on either side. Her skin was pale green, almost translucent, and her clothes were simple. They were also frayed and torn, She winced with some pain, cradling her left arm. This alien being blinked rapidly in what Clara presumed was a reaction of disbelief, then glanced back into the grass, frozen with indecision. It's okay. We won't hurt you, said the doctor, and he held up his hands to indicate he was unarmed. The alien woman spoke, but only a strange chattering emerged from her mouth. What's wrong? asked Clara. Why isn't the TARDIS translating? The doctor stroked his chin. The TARDIS sometimes has a problem with insectoid languages, Zarbis, Thelonian. They're difficult for her to get her circuits around. The alien continued to chatter, sounding scared and even angry. The doctor wasn't having much luck in calming her down. Clara stepped forward. Are you okay? We can help you, she said. And then... At least at Clara's ear, the indecipherable chatter suddenly became words. The alien appeared confused. What? I can understand you. H- how can that be? I'm Clara, this is the doctor. It's complicated. What's your name? Anura, said the alien. What are you? We're friends, said Clara. The doctor gently approached Anura. "'You're hurt. Let me take a look at that arm.' "'But Anura shied away and again glanced into the tall grass. "'No, it's fine. Let me pass. I don't know what you are. "'Ghosts, spectres, figments of my mind, but I I must run.' "'Why are you running?' said Clara. "'Who from?' "'My people,' said Anura. "'Because I won't believe in devils.' "'Then we have somewhere that you'll be safe.' offered the Doctor. I guarantee it. But a voice boomed from within the tall grass. Nowhere is safe for you, Anura, or your new devil friends. Anura glanced back. It's Sergeant Erio, she said. A group of eight aliens emerged, larger than Anura, but clearly from the same species. Clara noticed that each was a slightly different shade of green, and on Erio, the one she presumed was the leader, The skin was less translucent and more like leather. Each carried a spear-like weapon tipped with what looked like a giant thorn. This was a band of formidable warriors. Irio circled the Doctor and Clara and regarded them with disgust. What form of monstrous abomination are you? He asked. Monstrous abomination? Retorted the Doctor, then thought about it. Suppose I've been called worse. I don't think I have. Said Clara. We're not monsters, just travelers, said the doctor. I don't think so, said Erio. There are only two types of being, Fossians and devils, and you are not Fossian. Time Lord, said the doctor calmly. Human, added Clara. And don't mess with the humans, warned the doctor, because they don't like being told what to do. Hey, protested Clara. That's me you're talking about, but you really don't, insisted the doctor. The ground beneath them suddenly trembled and lurched, catching them off balance, but it lasted only a few seconds and then subsided. What was that? said Clara. You see, Erio? said the doctor. Don't mess with the human. Clara cottoned on. That's right, or I'll make more earthquakes, bigger ones. "'Irio looked at them with disdain. "'You didn't cause that. "'The tremors have been with us for years.' "'But they are getting stronger,' said Anura. "'And more frequent.' "'Interesting,' mused the doctor. "'This is to babble," said Irio, "'and turned to his warriors. "'Bind them. "'We'll see what Bravakar wants to do with them, "'and with you, Anura.' "'There's no need,' began the doctor.' But the Fossians ignored him. They wrapped dry vines tightly around their wrists, so tight that Clara thought her hands might wither from lack of circulation. We're just going along with this, she asked the doctor. Not much choice right now, he said. Let's see where it leads. The Fossian warriors marched the doctor, Clara and Anura through the dense tangle, but the going was slow. How far they had traveled and for how long was a mystery. As beautiful as it was, Clara was beginning to tire of crashing through the never-ending swathe of bizarre plant life. The Fossians all remained on edge, constantly looking around themselves, but for what? As the foliage became thinner, they began to relax a little, and soon they stepped out into a vast clearing. The flora was burnt to scrub, and at the center was one of the mega trees, but it wasn't swaying. High in the atmosphere and barely visible, Its crown had withered, while its trunk had turned grey, and its giant roots were honeycombed with tunnels and caves. A settlement of wooden turrets circled the great tree, each guarded by warriors. This was no longer a tree at all. It was a city. "'It's like a giant termite nest,' said Clara. "'A what?' asked Anura. "'Termites. Tiny insects that live in the ground.' Anura's eyes narrowed, and Clara wondered if she'd offended her. But the alien shook her head, as if unable to comprehend the concept. Nothing lives in the ground except Foss. Yes, it's odd, said the doctor. Have you noticed any wildlife while we've been walking, Clara? Clara thought about their journey. They hadn't seen anything apart from the flora. Nothing, she said. No insects, no animals, no birds, only the Fossians. That's weird. Is that weird for a planet with this much life? Very weird, agreed the doctor. So where are the animals? Eaten by these devils they talk about? Maybe, said the doctor. Unless there was never any animal life here, perhaps this chap Bravicar will have some answers. Irio led the party towards the city and down through a carved tunnel. Clara was awestruck as it opened out onto a bustling concourse full of market stalls. The entire city was hand-carved and hollowed out of the mega tree, and it glistened in the dim light with that colorful crystal sheen. All around them the Fossians were going about their business, but as soon as they saw the Doctor and Clara, they recoiled and fearful murmurs began to echo around the cavernous hall. "'as if monsters had invaded their home. "'Keep back and mind your business,' barked Erio, "'and the people obeyed him, immediately averting their gaze. "'The party approached the gated entrance to another chamber, "'where it came to a halt. "'Wait here,' said Erio, and passed through the gate. "'Clara stared at the glistening walls. "'Are the plants grown out of the minerals, "'or are there minerals growing out of the plants?' Neither, I think, said the doctor, who peered closely at the wooden wall, examining the grain and structure. Then, before the warriors could stop him, he stuck out his tongue and gave it a sloppy lick. A warrior dragged him back from the wall. The doctor smacked his lips. Mmm. Mmm. Yes, nice, savoury. It's infused with some kind of salt. Ooh, bad aftertaste, though. Wouldn't want to put that on your fish and chips. Irio returned. "'Bring them through,' he commanded, "'and the warriors shoved their three prisoners onward. "'Careful,' said Clara. "'We came willingly, remember,' said the doctor. "'The chamber beyond was circular and surrounded with alcoves. "'It had a church-like quality, "'but at the same time Clara noticed dry, dark stains splattered across the floor. "'Was that blood?' A young, pale green Fossian wearing heavy, ebony dark robes stood awaiting them. He had the air of a priest, unlike his older warrior companion, who sat behind in an alcove and seemed to be crafting a piece of wood using his fingertips and teeth. The priest glanced at the doctor and Clara with suspicion as he moved towards Anura and pressed his face into hers. She stared back into his eyes and failed to hide her contempt. Is there no escaping you, Bravicar? The priest was mildly astonished at her defiance. You can turn away from belief, Enora, but you cannot turn away from us. And where do you think you could run to? There is only this city. And we all have a duty to our fellow Fossians to keep them safe. But what have you done? Bravakar turned to examine the doctor and Clara once more, but kept a cautious distance. You've brought new forms of evil devil upon us? No, said Anura. Absolutely not said Clara. Definitely not, said the Doctor. We are the Doctor and Clara, not devils. Not any type of theological adversary, actually. We're just travellers passing through. Devils can take any form, said Bravicar. They can be anywhere and everywhere, so say the legends, so foretell the prophecies. Oh, well I'm glad we've sorted that out, said the Doctor, because we're quite happy to be anywhere else but here totally happy to leave, added Clara, but Bravakar ignored them. You will be leaving, he said, to join the Spawn Lord in the infinities of the Purple Fire. Say again, asked Clara. I think it's their version of hell, said the Doctor. Not quite what we had in mind. Prepare them for sacrifice, ordered Bravakar. All of them. THE GODS DEMAND IT! The guards lurched forward to grab the Doctor, Clara, and Anura. Another tremor shook the ground, and Clara heard the old mega-tree above creak and groan. You see? Thundered Bravicar. The gods are unhappy. They need sacrifice. Oh, that's your answer, is it? The Doctor yelled back. Little earthquake, the gods are displeased. Big volcanic eruption, the gods didn't like the prayers you offered. Lose a battle, you didn't sacrifice enough innocent people to the gods. I've seen it too many times, and it never gets any less tiresome. Bravakar's pale skin flushed an angry mustard yellow. You blaspheme! You ridicule our faith! You can have faith, insisted the Doctor. Just don't use it as an excuse to do evil. Do it now! Spats Bravacar. Execute them right here! The warrior guards raised their spears to strike. Wait! All looked to the alcove. The command came from the warrior craftsman, who had been quietly listening while he chewed at his lump of wood. Bravakar bristled. Hama, don't dare interrupt. Devils must always be sacrificed. Hama spat out a mouthful of splinters. No, Bravakar. "'Devils must be destroyed. "'Erio, you and your men put down your thorn stars.' The guards lowered their weapons. Harmer set aside his carving and approached. He was bulky and strong, and Clara noticed that a crude shard of metal, like a sword, hung at his waist. "'I have a better idea of how to deal with them. "'Give them back to their brethren.' "'Set them free?' shrieked Bravacar. "'That is blasphemy!' Think it through, Bravakar. We can use them as bait, then mount an ambush and wipe out as many of those destructive devils as we can. This is not how things are done, Bravakar protested. Harmer stood firm. Don't worry, you'll still get your blood sacrifice. The gods will be satisfied, but we'll get to undermine the devil's ability to attack us. What exactly are these devils? asked the doctor. We've not seen them, and why do they attack you?" They are your scourge sent to test us, said Bravacar. They slaughter us whenever they see us, added Harmer. They devastate great swathes of Thos like a plague, and they're never too far from the city, hiding, watching, waiting. We have nothing to do with these creatures, the Doctor said. I can assure you. Lies spat Bravacar. Quite right, said Harmer, although he didn't sound convinced. But we will see what happens when they confront you, Doctor. Take them. And the guards closed in. With their hands still bound with vines, the Doctor, Clara, and Anura were led away from the city and back through the shimmering grass forest by Harmer and a small squad of warriors. Someway behind them, the Fossian army followed fully armed and ready to fight. Do you have a plan, Doctor? Clara whispered. No, he said. Do you? How about escaping and finding the TARDIS? That would be a start. I know, but we... The Doctor suddenly tripped on a root and fell backwards, landing in a shallow pool of black water. Two warriors grabbed him, pulled him to his feet and forced him onwards. Just to point out, said Clara, Breaking your neck and leaving me here alone isn't a plan. Harmer raised an arm and the group came to a halt just shy of a glade. This is where we'll lay our trap, he informed the three prisoners. Try to run and you'll get a thorn star in your back, understand? Perfectly, said the doctor. The guards shoved the doctor, Clara and Anura into the glade, while the Fossians remained hidden among the grass forest, camouflaged by its sheen. But the glade was not a natural clearing. All plant life had been gnawed away, and the ground was covered in a mesh of fine threads. Clara bent down to examine the strange mesh more closely. It felt tacky underfoot. What is this stuff? she said. It looks like... oh, please don't tell me it's spider silk. It isn't spider silk, said the doctor. But his tone implied that something far worse was responsible. "'It's them,' Onura said. "'They make it. Leave it wherever they go.' "'The devils?' asked Clara. "'I call them beasts,' said Anura. "'A sudden sound of violent ripping startled them. "'Clara scanned the glade and saw movement at the centre of the clearing. "'The mesh bulged and pulsated. "'Something alive was beneath it and clawing its way out. "'Clara's skin tingled.' and a wave of terror flowed over her as a huge creature tore open the mesh and clambered up into the open. It was bigger than a small car, reddish-black in color, and covered with wiry hairs. For a few seconds, it remained perfectly still. Then, without any kind of warning, it sprang up on what must have been a dozen legs. Clara was too alarmed to count. Each leg ended in deadly pincers and bore aloft a bulbous oval body, with no discernible eyes, but a gaping maw where its underbelly should have been. It made a piercing, chattering sound, and then a rapid series of thunderous clacks, which sounded to Clara like a wild roar. It was a beast, a demon, a nightmarish devil indeed. Clara felt a compulsion to run. Doctor? Don't move, Clara, he said. Wait for my signal. You got a plan, then? Of course I do. Beyond the glade, a distant rustling among the giant grass increased to become a stampeding rush. More are coming, said Anura. and there were many more. As one after another, the devils crashed through the undergrowth and swooped down from the mega trees. But instead of attacking, they stood motionless, as if silently evaluating the situation. Then, like hunting spiders, They crept slowly towards the Doctor, Clara, and Anura, front pincers raised and ready. Before the creatures could attack, a war cry rose up from the opposite side of the clearing. A salvo of thorn stars flew out of the forest towards the devils, heralding the Fossian army which charged into battle. But the missiles did little more than annoy the beasts, The devils reacted to this new and immediate threat by launching themselves at the army, using their 12 legs to leap high and come crashing down on their attackers. Those Fossian warriors, not instantly crushed, were soon dispatched by snapping pincers. The Fossians were outmatched in strength, but they themselves outnumbered their enemy. Harmer stood strong and, holding the jagged metal shard, jumped into the center of battle. He spun round, almost gracefully, and swung the blade before him, severing limbs from three of the devils. Beasts crashed to the ground, roaring in pain, but before they could recover, Harmer finished the job, plunging the blade into the eyeless bodies. Clara and Anura crouched down together, unable to see a way out of the fight, only for the doctor to pull them to their feet. He showed his unbound hands. How? Said Clara. He presented the loose vine, These vines expand when they get wet. I don't fall into puddles for no reason. Told you I had a plan. Look out! He pulled Clara and Anura to the ground, as the devil charged the Fossians and passed above them. Clara caught a glimpse of that terrifying moor a dripping, dark pit surrounded by quivering mandibles, and wished she hadn't. The doctor quickly untied their bonds. Let's get out of here. Anura, you're coming with us. Gladly, said the Fossian. The three of them dashed to the clearing's edge, dodging devils and warriors. Harmer glimpsed them escaping and screamed his frustration, but more of his army were falling victim to the devils' savagery. The devils were winning. Retreat, he cried. Fall back to the city, fall back. The doctor hurried Clara and Anura away from the battle. Clara didn't look back, her heart racing. She saw that the doctor was incredibly focused and, for once, very quiet. He was an alien, and had experienced dangers and horrors that she didn't even want to try and imagine. But that senseless carnage had affected him as much as it had her. With the sound of the battle fading, Clara stopped running. The doctor and Anura slowed and turned back to her. That was horrible, said Clara. you both okay? Anura nodded. Yes said the doctor softly. I'm sorry, Clara. Sorry you had to become a part of that. We're not safe in the open, said Anura. You said you have somewhere we can hide. We'll find it, said the doctor. I will protect you, Onura. Without warning, a devil dropped from above and blocked their path. It roared, and a second devil jumped down behind them. There was no escape this time. The devils were immediately interested in Anura and reached out with their open pincers. The doctor and Clara instantly moved to sandwich Anura between them and protect her. Enough, bellowed the doctor. Leave her alone. None of us mean you any harm. The devils hesitated, almost taken aback by the doctor's outburst. They rose up to their full height and chattered between themselves. Were they talking? thought Clara, and as she listened... She was positive that she could hear words emerging from the chatter. She recognized the word mercy and the word slay. Doctor, I'm beginning to understand bits and pieces. So am I, said the doctor. The TARDIS's translation circuit is taking a lot longer with this species, but these two seem to be discussing whether to kill us or not. What do you mean, discussing? Said Anura, full of fear. They can't talk, they're just mindless beasts. Concluding their chatter, the first devil moved away. The second stared down at the doctor and his friends, then quickly lifted three arms and took hold of each of them. Clara gasped as the multi jointed leg wrapped around her and pulled her close to the devil's body. She was surprised by how unexpectedly gentle the creature's grip was. I guess they've decided to keep us alive, said Clara. I hope they stick with that. We're going with them, said the doctor. Get ready for a ride. The devils launched themselves into the sky. They leapt through the forest, roaring as they went, covering great distances by leaping and then gliding from megatree to megatree. It was like being on the dizziest of thrilling fairground rides. And so it was a good thing that Clara loved fairgrounds. From these heights, she could see the planet's terrain much more clearly. There were no rivers, no sign of a coastline and no distant mountains. There was just endless, verdant life, the mega trees, the massive root systems, the grass forests flowing over the undulating landscape, for as far as her eyes could see. They finally landed in a dell covered in the silky mesh, but quickly realized they weren't alone. A circle of devils were examining an out-of-place object, the TARDIS. The devil that had carried them released its grip and prodded them into the circle. The Doctor was pleased to be reunited with his ship. Ah, oh, baby, good to see you again, he said. As the Devils chattered among themselves, Clara slowly understood more of what was being said, until the bizarre invertebrate language translated clearly into English. They were discussing what to do with the invaders. We're not invaders, said the Doctor. We're just passing through. The Devils recoiled in surprise. "'It speaks. How can it speak?' said one. "'Impossible!' said another. "'Coming over loud and clear,' said the Doctor, patting the TARDIS affectionately. "'Well done, old girl. Now, I'm the Doctor, this is Clara.' "'Anura looked dumbfounded. "'They're just beasts, Doctor. They can't understand you.' "'The Doctor pointed at her. And that's Anura.' She lives here and she is fed up to the high teeth with you lot trying to exterminate her people. They are squeaking vermin, said a devil. And what are you? You attack the Fossians, strip the planet of life and replace it with this sticky stuff. And I really don't want to think about where that comes from. But you are the aggressors here. One of the devils stretched up to its full height, as if mustering some dignity after having its pride heard. We "'Are the Drakarsin?' it said. "'It is our calling to tend to her. "'As she tends to us, we heal. "'We do not harm.' "'Who is she?' asked the doctor. "'There's only you and the Fossians, nobody else. "'To whom do you tend? Where is she?' "'The Drakarzin lifted its front legs "'and made a sweeping gesture that read us everywhere.' "'She is below us,' it said. "'We walk upon her, live with her.'" "'Foss,' said the doctor. "'They're talking about the planet. "'It's making sense now, except...' "'The Drakazin added. "'She you call Foss is our everything.'" "'And you're not just talking about a planet, are you? "'Foss is everything you love.'" Anura listened in disbelief. How can you be talking to them? All I hear is animal chatter. Clara tried to reassure her. It's okay. It's not making much sense to me, to be honest. Oh, it makes perfect sense, said the doctor. Why have we not seen any rocks or bare earth? Because Foss is no ordinary planet. This strange vegetation that covers everything, that is Foss. One massive life form, of course. He rushed over to examine one of the giant blades of grass. ''These salty crystals aren't minerals. They're an excretion. Like sweat?'' asked Clara. ''This planet sweats?'' the doctor nodded enthusiastically. ''And those massive trees that grow at regular intervals? I don't think they're really trees. I think they're feeders, reaching out so far that they can suck in the gases from the nebula.'' ''That's a head spinner,'' said Clara, looking down at their feet. ''I'm standing on someone's... something's skin.'' And the Drakharsin are the nursemaids looking after her. The doctor gestured to the silky mesh on the ground. Eating away any infections and bandaging her up with these threads. A symbiotic relationship. You're saying Foss itself is a living being, said Anura. Like a god. She's no god, but a glorious, giant, life bearing organism. She must be millions of years old. Amazing, truly amazing. I'm so glad I came." But the Drakazin were agitated. "'Her life is coming to an end,' one said. "'For hundreds of thousands of years she has been preparing to spawn, And that time has already passed. We should be riding with the new buds into the unknown but. There's always a but," said Clara. The Drakazin pointed a pincer at Anura. The varmin are preventing her. They dig and hack their way into her body, hurting her. What will happen if the spores aren't released? The doctor asked. She will still die, as will everything living upon her. You, doctor, and you, Clara are not part of the cycle. You may leave, but that vermin must be destroyed, along with the others." The Drakars turned on Anura, their pincers snapping. But Clara grabbed Anura's hand and pulled her close. "'Oh no, not happening!' "'They want to kill me!' said Anura. "'I was wrong. They're not beasts. They're monsters!' "'Listen to the vermin's bizarre chittering said the Drakarzin. What does it say? No doubt pleading for its life. This would all be so much simpler if you could understand one another, said the Doctor, who unlocked the TARDIS with his key and pulled Clara and Anura inside before the Drakarzin could react. The door swung closed and the Doctor rushed up to the hexagonal control console, which was bathed in a cool blue light. Communication, Clara. That's the key to avoiding any more bloodshed. Anura, who was still gripping Clara's hand, refused to move from the entrance. Clara saw a familiar look in the Fossian's eyes as she stared into the vast space. It's okay. You're allowed to say it about the size difference. He doesn't mind. Never get tired of it, said the doctor, now rummaging below the console. Amazing, said Anura and she took a few steps inside the room. An impossible mine? You must have minerals galore. That's a new one, said the doctor. I suppose the TARDIS is full of riches of sorts. A thud vibrated around the control room, followed by another, and another. Don't worry, that's just the Drakars in trying to smash their way in. They can't, can they? Asked Clara. Nope, not in a million years. The doctor pulled out a slim headset and placed it on the console. Then he grabbed his purple coat that lay slung over a railing and fished out his sonic screwdriver. Enura, I need to give the TARDIS's translation process a little boost just for you. What are you doing? She asked as the doctor activated the sonic. It made a high-pitched whir as he waved it around her head. He checked the readings. You need to speak with the Dracazion. Anura shuddered in fear. Speak with them? How? What would I even say if I could? They want to kill my people, Doctor. Then ask them why, said the Doctor. He used the sonic on the headset, and then gently placed it over Anura's head. Three probes, two at the temples and one on the forehead, glowed dimly. There. You are now directly linked to the TARDIS's translation circuits. You will be able to understand the Trakazin, and they will be able to understand you. I can't. Minutes ago I thought they were just animals. Now you say they're intelligent. And they think exactly the same about you and your people. They care for Foss, but call your lot vermin. A pest that's been eating away and slowly destroying her. If you want to stop killing each other and have a chance of survival, you must talk. But why me? Because you are the only Fosse in here, and I don't have time to find another. Besides, in the short time I've known you, you've impressed me as being pretty open-minded. Sometimes we don't get to choose our destiny. You, Anura, need to speak up for your kind. It'll be okay. Clara tried to sound assuring. This is the chance you've been waiting for. A chance to change things. Anura nodded. What I've always wanted, she said. I'll do it. The doctor emerged from the TARDIS first, with Clara close behind. "'Thank you for your patience, Drakazin," said the doctor. "'Now, before you do anything rash, there's someone you need to listen to.' Clara leaned back into the TARDIS and coaxed Anura to follow them out. "'Come on, it's okay. I trust the doctor, so you can trust me.' The young Fossian appeared at the door, watchful of the surrounding Drakazin. The doctor made the formal introduction. This is Anura. She's one of the Fossians, and she has something important to say. The Drakazin became disturbed and murmured about vermin and destruction and the sporing. Clara could see from Anura's shocked expression that she now understood the spider like symbiotes. Here's your chance, she said in encouragement. Just tell them the truth. Anura stared up at the largest of the Drakazin. We don't wish to fight to you. She began. But you terrify us and kill so many of us. I thought you were nothing more than beasts. S- some of my people call you devils. I never imagined that you were guardians of our planet Foss. I swear none of my people knowingly cause her harm. The large creature bent its twelve legs and lowered itself to Anura's level. Anura of the Fossians we call vermin. Parasites, blight. I am Lutander. I will speak for the Dracartan. I do not believe your words. I barely believe you have words. How can you not know the pain and suffering you cause her? Your city is a wound, a cancer. It must be cleansed, cut away and healed over if life is to go on." "'But you can't,' said Anura. I never believed you were evil devils. Please don't make me wrong. The doctor spoke up. Both sides have made misjudgments of the other. So talk. Learn. Make things right. Your survival depends upon it. Rutanda shifted towards the doctor. There is no time. And we do not trust you either, doctor. We must attack and destroy the varmin City if she is to spoil. "'No, you must not,' the doctor insisted. "'I can put things right without bloodshed, but you must give me a chance. "'You must give the Fossians a chance.' "'There is no time,' repeated Rutanda. "'I am a Time Lord,' said the doctor. "'I'll make sure there is time. Think it through. "'If you attack the city, you may win the battle, but at what cost?' How many Drakazin will die? How many of you will there be left to ride the spores, her children? Who will look after them? Rutanda did not reply immediately. Clara hoped the doctor's logic was sinking in. Very well. The creature finally agreed. But only you may go, doctor. These two will stay. To ensure you keep your word. The doctor looked to Clara, who could see he wasn't inclined to leave her alone. But she knew that he must. It's okay, doctor. You have to go. The doctor nodded. Get them talking, Clara. I'll go and find out more about the Fossians' mine. You have got a plan, then, she said, with as much optimism as she could fake. He smiled an honest smile. Clara knew that wasn't a good sign. I really haven't he whispered, but I do have an inkling. Clara hugged him. Works for me, she lied. The doctor stepped into the TARDIS. A few seconds later, the blue box made a groaning noise. Its roof lamp flashed on and off, and it faded from sight. Clara turned to the surprised Anura and Drakazin. He'll be back, she said. In as casual a manner as she could muster. But before he does, you two need to talk about what you really want from each other. As non-existent plans went, thought the Doctor, this one was going quite well. Park the TARDIS just outside the city? Check. Get captured by soldier Irio and the Fossian guards? Check. Be dragged into a second meeting with their young leader Bravakar? Check. Military procedure was all too predictable no matter what galaxy you were in. Once inside the glistening church-like chamber, the doctor found Bravakar and Harmer engaged in argument. More than 400 of our best warriors slaughtered, growled Bravakar. Brave men and women lost because of your failings. Harmer raised his sword aloft. And yet I killed seven devils alone with this. We need better weapons if we are to win this war. There isn't much time left to win anything, said the Doctor. Ha! The Devil Doctor returns to taunt us, cried Bravicar in disbelief. Kill it! Kill this creature immediately! Two guards pushed the Doctor to his knees. You don't want to do that, snapped the Doctor. I've returned to help you, Bravicar. Why else would I walk freely into the one place I'm guaranteed to spoil the party? Ignore it! Execute it now! snapped Bravakar, and Erio lifted his thorn star and began to swing it around his head, limbering up for the killing blow. The doctor glared at Harmer. That sword you carry, I know you want more like it, and I know you have a mine. Let me help you forge better weapons, ones beyond your imagination. I try not to use them myself, but I've seen wars rage across the stars, even across time itself. I know a thing or two about what makes the perfect weapon. Stop the execution, ordered Harmer. Bravicar was aghast. No, it must die! He rushed forward and snatched the Thorn Star for himself, but Harmer drew his sword and had its point hovering over Bravicar's chest before the priest could act. This devil doctor could still be useful, said Harmer. I'll decide when he dies. Are you challenging my leadership, said Bravacar. Your leader in name only, said Harmer. Nobody has respect for you. You're barely a group full grown. Put that thorn star down before you hurt yourself and let's allow the doctor to stand. Erio disarmed Bravakar of the thorn star and laid it aside. While the Doctor rose to his feet. The ground shook once more, a deeper rumbling tremor, and Bravicar glared at his old rival. The gods will never forgive you, Harmer! He said, but the warrior craftsman ignored him and approached the Doctor. I will show you the mind, Doctor, but don't try to deceive me. He placed the blade of his sword on the Doctor's shoulder. As we both know, devils can be killed quite easily. Understood, said the doctor. Believe me, I only want to help. Please, lead on. Flanked by two armed guards, Harmer led the doctor deep down into the city, where the hand carved and mouth chewed passages became less engineered. Soon they gave way to more natural tunnels and caverns. A mass of twisting roots, which seemed to the doctor more like veins root veins all glistening with the life force of Foss. "'How far down do these tunnels go?' asked the Doctor. "'We've never reached the end,' said Harmer. "'But go too deep and they can open up or collapse without warning. Many have never returned, so access to these depths is restricted.' They emerged from a tunnel, and suddenly the Doctor found himself walking across a knotted bridge in a huge cavern, with countless other bridges snaking out to connect to a colossal organic mass. It rippled with hues of purple and green, appearing to slowly pulse as if shallow breathing. It was so huge that the doctor could barely take in its enormity, but he realized they were approaching one of Foss's many spores. The young sprouts of what would surely grow into megatrees could be seen clearly across its surface. As they drew closer, The doctor noticed a blackened area, suggesting a form of disease or a malevolent growth. But in fact it was a foreign object, embedded deep into the spore. Even from the little that was showing, the tip of a wing, the ellipse of an exhaust port. The doctor could tell it was the rusting wreck of a huge spaceship. That's your mine? asked the doctor. The only one on Foss, as far as we know, said Harmer take care inside is dangerous. Many have died trying to explore its secrets. After you. Harmer waved his sword towards a corroded opening and the doctor climbed through. The interior of the ship was barely recognizable as such. It must have been stuck here for thousands of years, perhaps even longer. The spore had grown around it, but also living tendrils had felt their way in and grown throughout. Thanks to a faint phosphorescence given off by the tendrils, the doctor could just about make out that they were in a passageway, probably a bulkhead maintenance corridor, now reduced to rusted metal and brittle plastic, and only held together by the spore's fibrous flesh. The doctor produced his sonic screwdriver and buzzed the immediate area. Karma and the guards raised their weapons at the sound of its scan. Don't get chop happy said the doctor, sensing the warrior's unease. This isn't a weapon, it's a tool, and it's picking up a weak power supply. Perhaps enough battery power to light our way. The doctor aimed the whirring sonic at the ceiling and at intermittent points along the passage, and slowly, the dim glow of ancient lights appeared. The two guards instantly recoiled at the display. Sorcery, said one. No, No. said the doctor. Just an alternative light source. Nothing to be afraid of. Harmer looks at his guards in disgust. Get outside. Stay there and wait. If he exits the mine before me, then kill him. The guards gladly obeyed, and Harmer turned back to the Doctor. It's becoming increasingly difficult not to believe Bravicar's conclusion about you, Devil Doctor. you had better find me the minerals to make weapons very soon. We need to go deeper into the mine, said the Doctor. Now that we have some light, it should be a lot easier. I don't know how long the power will last, so this could be your only chance to back out, but I'm going in there whether you follow me or not. The doctor began to move down the passage, skipping over knotted root veins. Harmer sheathed his sword. Trick me, and you'll never get out of the city alive. Yes, 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 came the doctor's reply. Stop the threats and work with me. Let's keep going. As the Doctor suspected, the deeper they journeyed into the spaceship, lesser was the decay. It was still a wreck, but the spores' tendrils thinned out and the infrastructure was less damaged. Forcing open a sliding door, the Doctor and Harmer entered a huge hangar. It was a storage bay, holding row upon row of human-sized pods, thousands of them. Harmer was delighted. At last... What treasures do these contain? The Doctor brushed a thick layer of dust off one of the pods with his hand, revealing a glass porthole. Harmer scrambled over to look inside. There's nothing in there, he said, disappointed. Nothing but dust. Very sad, said the Doctor. Harmer cleaned and peered into several more pods. They're all the same. I don't see anything which could be forged into a weapon. I hope you have more to show me, devil doctor. Much more, I should think, said the doctor. And we're almost there. The doctor hurried onwards. There was one place left where he might find some answers. The flight deck at the top of the ship. As another ground tremor subsided, the discussion between Anura and the Dracarzin became heated. Neither side was truly listening to the other, and Clara feared that things would turn violent. If they did, she and Anura wouldn't stand a chance. Rutanda was trying to maintain calm among his kind, but one Drakazan in particular, named Prunag, was refusing to believe anything Anura had said. You are spies. That's why you are here. To discover our weaknesses plot our deaths and murder our beloved she. That's not true, said Clara. "Liar!" roared Prunag and turned to his fellows. We know what these pests want, what they would do to us. Several Drakazin murmured in sympathy, snapping their pincers with growing unrest. Stop this, said Rutanda. All of you, You are not our leader," said Prunag. "We do what needs to be done by instincts." And without warning, the angry Drakazin leapt at Nura with all twelve pincers open and ready for the kill. Clara reacted without thinking and threw herself at Nura, rolling her out of the way before being ripped to pieces. Prunag span on the spot and lurched forward to finish them both, but was met pincer for pincer by Rutanda who grappled Prunag with equal ferocity. The surrounding drakazin watched respectfully as the two giant dodecapods wrestled each other, legs thrashing in fury as they fought. Let's get you into the TARDIS, said Clara to Anura, but the Fossian refused. Thank you, Clara, but this is too important. And she called out to the battling creatures. Stop! In Foss's name, please stop! Rutanda had his legs wrapped around Prunag, pinning him to the ground. He raised the pointed pincer and was about to spear his opponent in the back, when Anura sprang forward and dashed up close to the two-entwined Drakazin. Please! You don't have to kill anymore! I've been telling the truth! I can't tell it any other way! Prunag wants to kill you, said Rutanda. And you would see me release him? Yes, said Anura with honesty. I don't want anyone dying because of me, whether they be Fossian or Drakazin. Rutanda pulled away from Prunag, who shook himself and rose up to bear over Anura. For a chilling moment, Clara feared the worst, but the angry Drakazin just stepped away from the Fossian without a word. You could say thank you, said Clara, she just pleaded for your life. Prunag didn't turn back, but let out a series of frustrated clicks and hisses. Anura sank to her knees and looked at each and every Drakazin. All I know is that we can only save Foss's legacy, her legacy, if we work together in peace. If these are her final hours, let's not taint the life she has given us by fighting each other. Let's fight to free her future. Her children. Another tremor vibrated below them. They're even more frequent now, said Clara, and she wondered how long the doctor would be. He always came back. Always. But then again, what if this was the one time he didn't? What would he want her to do then? There was only one option left. Anura, Rutanda, we can't wait any longer. You have to act now and go to the city. On reaching the flight deck, the doctor's hopes faltered. The main viewing window was smashed, and now the flesh of the spore was pressing inwards, tendrils growing across the walls and over all of the control panels. There's nothing here, said Harmer. You've tricked me. Will you have patience, Harmer? You're like a four-year-old constantly asking, are we there yet? Well, we're not there yet. The doctor dashed over to a control panel that seemed intact and pulled away the tendrils that covered it. He yanked out circuits from underneath and used the sonic to repair their corroded connections. There, let's see if we get anything. The panel crackled with a spark of life and facts and figures began to appear on its discolored screen. Success, success said the doctor, taking in the flow of information. The ship's computer has been active on low power but has recorded everything that's been going on for ooh, the last 900,000 years. This is devilry too far, said Harmer raising his sword. It's information about the ship, about the mine. We both need to know the truth. The doctor began to summarize the readout. This is, or was, a space arc from the planet Afrax. The Afraxen's sun was due to go supernova, that is, explode. So they launched this arc to carry their people to a new home. But less than three years into the journey, there was a fault in the hibernation chambers caused by an invasive life form. The doctor tapped on the controls and the image of a tiny creature appeared on the screen. A pale green aphid with black eyes. It was a native aphraxan insect, said the doctor. Harmer scoffs dismissively. This sounds like one of Bravacar's myths. It's your history, listen to it, insisted the doctor. The insects shouldn't have been on board. They were considered aphraxan pests, but got into the system and caused a short circuit. The hibernation chambers failed first. All the aphraxans died in their sleep pods. Every last one of them. But the insects multiplied and continued to damage the ship. The navigation system failed next and the ark drifted off course until it was drawn towards... The doctor paused, taking in what he was reading. What happened? said Harmer, now intrigued despite himself. Tell me. It says here, the Ark was drawn towards a small planetoid, but I suspect that planetoid was a smaller, much younger Foss. hundreds of thousands of years ago. The Afraxans may have crumbled to dust, but the insect pests that caused the disaster went on to evolve. They were your ancestors, Harmer. You don't really belong on Foss. You are all that survives from the dead planet AFRAGS. It's irrelevant, said Harmer. All that matters is our survival. The devils must be destroyed. But Foss is dying, Harmer. Because of the devils? No, because of you. These readings show that the ship's engine core is still active, but it's been leaking toxic fuel for who knows how long. It's poisoning Foss, your planet is a life form in its own right, and she's being prevented from releasing her spores. A massive tremor shook the flight deck. It was so violent that the Doctor and Harmer had to grab hold of the control panels or else be thrown across the room. You're wrong, Doctor. Foss sustains us. It's the devils who want to rip her apart. All we can do is defeat our enemy. The Doctor was surprised at Harmer's matter-of-factness. You knew, didn't you? or at least suspected. If the devils get their way, we all die. And if you get yours, there won't be a Foss. You'll die too. I think there is another way to save everyone, Harmer, but you must trust me. A far distant sound echoed through the empty wreck. The sound of a horn. Three short blasts repeated over and over. Harmer knew what it meant and jumped into action. An alarm from my men at the entrance. He said. The devils are attacking. And he dashed from the flight deck. Oh, Clara, muttered the doctor. I hope there's still time. I promised there would be time. His hands darted over the controls, and then he dived under and ripped open a rusted panel. Inside were glowing green tubes, cracked, but still active. Aha! Engine regulators! cried the doctor. He grabbed the nearest piece of debris, a shard of shattered plastic, and swiped it through the regulators. They burst open, green sparks flying over the doctor who shielded his eyes, and the green glow faded. That should do it. Then, in the gradually dimming wreck, the doctor hurried to find the exit. An army of Drakazin surrounded the city and slowly closed in. There was no path of escape for the Fossians, who fled in panic back into the city's tunnels. Bravicar stood behind a battalion of warriors who awaited his orders, but he was lost for words. "'What shall we do, sir?' asked soldier Erio. "'The gods will protect us. They always do,' mumbled Bravicar. Erio shook his head in despair and faced his warriors. "'Stand your ground,' he commanded. Take heart, be brave. Have courage. Hama hurtled out of the city to join his troops. Why are you not attacking them? He demanded. There are too many, said Irio. We can only defend ourselves. Then, from behind the Drakazin line stepped Anura, wearing the translation headset. She approached the Fossian army with Clara following. Her appearance made Bravakar's eyes shine, and his face flushed a dark mustard in anger. "'Anura!' he cried. "'She's in league with them! Look! She is possessed!' The Doctor sprinted from the city, and grinned at seeing Clara and Anura safe, and under no threat from the Drakazin. "'Don't you find it strange that they're not attacking you, Bravakar? Don't you wonder why?' "'What have you done, Doctor?' accused harmer as i said i'm trying to save you all none of you need die today anura took a step closer opened her arms wide and called out to her people with the help of the strangers our new friends the doctor and clara i've spoken with these creatures that we have unfairly called devils the dracarzen are not evil they only wish to protect foss we think of Foss as the world that sustains us and gives us life. But I have learned that she is her own being, a living creature like you and me. And we have been hurting her for many years. We have had our time and now Fost must be allowed to give birth. The tremors began again. They were steady tremors this time and they were not going to subside. Palmer swung his sword towards the Doctor. You deceived me, he said. I've released you from your war-mongering delusion, Harma. Foss is now free to spore. By the feel of it, she's not wasting any time. You did something in the mine. You closed it. In a manner of speaking, I shut down the engine core. Open it again. I can't, said the doctor firmly. Harma turned and sprang towards Nura but he ignored her and instead grabbed hold of Clara. Hey, get off me, she protested. The doctor raced over to save his friend, but halted when Harmer pressed his sword to Clara's neck. Harmer locked eyes on the doctor. Open the mine, doctor, or your friend dies. Listen very carefully, the doctor explained. If I reboot the engine core, reopen the mine, the energy surge would cause a catastrophic rupture it would wipe out your city and your people instantly there is another way don't trust it any of it said bravacar we are being tested oh you can keep quiet ordered the doctor as the tremors grew stronger feel that armor foss is about to release her spores The root vein beneath Harmer and Clara's feet suddenly stretched and frayed, splitting apart. Harmer lost his balance and plunged through the widening crack, pulling Clara with him. Clara! bellowed the doctor. He couldn't lose her, not again. Without thinking, he made a giant leap towards her, sending himself over the edge and grabbing onto her hand. You've got me! said Clara, her eyes tight shut. Don't let go! Hang on, Clara, yelled the doctor, clinging to the precipice with his feet. Further down, Harmer clung to a frayed root and was trying to clamber his way back up, as deep within the chasm below, the internal structure of Foss began tearing itself apart. The doctor called to him. Harmer, try to reach my other hand. But instead, Harmer grabbed Clara's ankle. She screamed, fearing she would slip and the doctor had to grab her hand with both of his. But he lost his footing and slid further over the edge, straining to hang on. Until a jolt halted his fall. The same jolt caused Harmer to lose his grip completely. With his arms frantically trying to find another purchase, Harmer plummeted down the deepening gap into Foss and disappeared from sight. The doctor twisted his head and saw Anura trying to pull him back with all her might, with her support, he regained his grip and hauled himself and Clara to safety. Except there was no safety anywhere. Foss was splitting apart. The Fossians were retreating to the city, but many were falling to their doom through the cracks opening up on the surface. The Drakazin were also retreating, taking to the mega trees, giving themselves more time to find their designated spores. Ravakar was on his knees. It is the end. He said. No, it's not, said the Doctor. There's still time. What can we do? Asked Anura. I can't get your entire people to the TARDIS, said the Doctor, and pointed back toward the city. But the mine is not a mine, it's an ark, a sanctuary. It's lodged inside a spore directly below the city, and when that spore launches, it will be taken out into the nebula. You can use it to escape and start again. But you Fossians must take on the Drakazins' work. Live with the life form, not plunder it or poison it. Bravakar looked blank. Unable to comprehend the sudden shattering of his faith. He wasn't in any state to lead, if he ever had been. But Nura nodded. We'll do it, she said. I'll make sure we will. I hoped you would, said the doctor. You're a natural, Clara told her. You can do this. Anura spotted Soldier Erio helping a wounded fellow warrior back to the city. Erio! She called. Get everybody down into the mine. It's our only chance. Irio hesitated, but then nodded and began to relay Anura's command. You need to go, urged Clara, as the ground shook violently, knocking them to the ground. And you? said Anura, scrambling to stand. Thank you for saving my life, Clara. Thank you both for showing us the way. She heaved Bravakar up and forced marched him back towards the city. Come on, Clara. We don't have much time either, said the doctor, and they raced over splitting root veins and falling tree tendrils back to where the doctor had left the TARDIS. But as they reached the time machine, the ground opened up and it tumbled down through the rapidly withering foss The Doctor and Clara watched as the ship bounced down into the abyss and out of sight. The Doctor looked at Clara, his face an apology. She smiled, trying to hide her fear and dread about to overwhelm her. Guess we did a good thing today, she said. Lots of baby living planets are heading off to a new life. We did, said the Doctor, as if from nowhere. Something smashed into them, and suddenly they were falling fast into the disintegrating world. Down and down and down they fell. But Clara realized they were being held in a gentle grip. It was Rutanda, holding them in two of his twelve arms, and acrobatically leaping down through the chasm to where the TARDIS lay askew. Rutanda placed them next to the ship. Thank you for freeing the young butts, doctor, the Drakazin said. But you must leave now. Do you have time to get to a spore? Said the doctor with concern. Come with us, and I can take you to one of the newborns. Thank you for the offer, said Rutanda. But no, she may be dying. But I have a duty to care for her until the very end. And I accept that role gladly. Now go. Rutanda leapt up and away, climbing back out of the chasm to perform his final duties for Foss. Quick, inside, said the doctor, and he and Clara dived into the TARDIS as the living world around them fell apart. The destruction reverberated around the TARDIS control room which shook from the quakes outside until the doctor yanked the dematerialization lever and calm stability returned. The doctor turned a monitor around so that they could both see out into space. We're about 5,000 miles away now, he said. Clara watched as Foss, that strange living planet, broke apart. The nebula began to teem with the ejected spores, hurtling away and leaving behind a weird, twisted carcass It looked like a giant, unravelled tumbleweed drifting in space. "'It's so sad,' said Clara. Uh, "'I don't know,' said the Doctor. "'Foss had a long old life, perhaps millions of years, and now the cycle begins again with the newborns and the Drakazin living in harmony. "'Except the one with the Fossians,' said Clara. "'Yes.' "'The Doctor smiled.' I really should return one day and check up on how they're doing. After all, I think we may have kick-started a whole new ecosystem. Anura stepped out of the embedded Ark to take a better look at their newly born world. It felt fresh, exciting and untainted. Erio followed her outside, looking about in amazement. She feels smaller, he said. She'll suit us. Anura replied. We'll grow as a people, as we help her to grow. Erio gestured back towards the Ark. Bravacar is still talking to himself. I think everyone is looking for a new leader to take charge. You? She suggested. Oh no, I'm just a warrior, said Erio. We're taking orders. I think we need someone with fresh ideas. Someone like you, Anora. Anora nodded. This is a new paradise, a new beginning. We'll have to take care of her this time. Keep her free from the demands of gods and devils. "'Irio took in a deep breath. She even smells different to Fos. That's because she is. Anora replied. And what should we call her? He asked. This impossible, strange new home of ours. Onura stared into the rich nebula and saw the distant TARDIS spinning across the sky just before it faded away for good. I know, she said with a smile. We'll call her Clara. Doctor Who Paradise Lost by Darren Jones was read by Jacob Dudman and is published by BBC Audio.